welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 306. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. Oh, man. It has been a, a roller coaster of emotion here at the uh, podcast studio this week um, as I've been, you know, sitting bedside with my uh, Atari 2600 console um, while it underwent its power supply transplant. I uh, was actually in the middle of playing the game for this episode. Spoiler, Sinistar. Uh, in the middle of a game when the screen went all <laughs> staticky, I should say. Uh, so I fussed around with it, figured I uh, didn't know if it was the TV. It's an old TV. Uh, didn't know if it was the console itself. I have another Atari console that I bought some time ago uh, for a thing I thought I was going to do. Uh, so I, I plugged that one in, with, and it has its own power supply, and it didn't work either. So then I decided, no, it must be the TV. But I couldn't get uh, readily get the console plugged into any of the other TVs for various reasons uh, around the house. So I decided, because I plug, when I plugged the 5200 into the same TV, it worked fine. So I decided it must be the power supply for both of my 2600 consoles. So I had to go to where everybody goes, uh, eBay, and found a new power supply and waited by the mailbox, Charlie Brown-like, for my power supply to show up, and it did. And... It works! So, I have a functioning uh, Atari 2600 console again. I was able to play Sinistar. Uh, and thus, this episode was born. Uh, but we'll get all, to all that in a minute. Uh, first, we have some unfinished business from last episode. I think it was in the field report. Henry, my kid and cameraman, was all excited about the concept of me doing the game Doom for the podcast. Doom, of course, is a classic uh, first-person shooter from the 1990s. Uh, we all played Doom, I'm sure. Uh, great game. It's still around, I think. It's something I saw said uh, there are new maps or whatever uh, still being made for the game. But it's not an Atari game, right? So I can't do it on the show. It's not made for Atari. Except now it is. Kind of. Listener Kim Slauson. Hi, Kim. At Ox Coffee on Twitter tweeted at me, Hey Bill, look, it's Doom for the 2600, so you can play it and not feel like you're breaking the Atari Bytes format. Which, I will add, parenthetically, I wouldn't worry a whole lot about. It's my show. I can do whatever I want. But I appreciate your concern for my potential concern about breaking the rules. So I clicked on the uh, link that uh, Kim provided. Uh, links to a Game Rant article from July last year. Doom Demake brings brings the FPS to Atari 2600. A user makes and uploads a demake of the classic a demake of the classic Doom game, which runs on an Atari 2600, a machine that was never meant to run 3D games. And that is indeed what it is. Someone managed to cram Doom into the 2600. And I don't think I'm uh, overstating it here to say that it looks awful. Uh, that is no no disrespect to uh, 
the effort it took to do this. You know, all props to uh, the major havoc, uh, which is the user um, that came up with this uh, downgraded version. The DMake contains, according to this article, three animated enemies, imps, pinkies, and the Keiko demon, with more to come, such as facial expressions, more weapons, and a boss fight. It doesn't look pretty, but the user has managed to do something quite extraordinary. Bring a 1993 game to a system that was obsolete by the time that game even came out. I gotta tell you, I watched the, uh, the little YouTube video of this thing, and I get nauseous just looking at the YouTube video. <coughs> I would never... Um, I'd never make it through an actual game. If anyone knows more about this or has first-hand uh, experience with it, let me know. If I do Doom on the podcast or as a bonus thing with the podcast, maybe for the Patreon or something, it is probably just going to be straight-up traditional Doom. But uh, you never know. Keep uh, an eye on the space. Thanks, Kim, for uh, pointing the, that article to me. Another callback to the previous episode, uh, friend of the show, Sean, and Patreon supporter, uh, posted a comment to the last show. Oh man, now I want snickerdoodles. I, I hear you, Sean. We, we all want snickerdoodles. I'm going to be totally honest here and say that I don't know why exactly. Um, I have a vague memory of saying something about snickerdoodles in the last episode. I did not go back and listen to the episode to see what I said exactly. Uh, I just thought I would go ahead and mention this comment here because, like I said, um, we all really want snickerdoodles. I, I think that's just a universal given. Oxygen, health, and then the right to risk that health by eating lots and lots of snickerdoodles. So, if anyone out there would like to send Sean and me some snickerdoodles, um, I'm sure we can tell you how to get a hold of us. Thanks for the comments, Sean. Thanks for the comment, Kim. Um, that is it for this week's news and feedback. So let's get on to this week's game. This week's game is Sinistar, an unreleased prototype from 1984 of the 1983 Williams Electronics arcade game. An extremely popular arcade game. So popular, in fact, I know that one listener in particular... Hint, it's Jimmy G, is a huge Sinistar fan. So I am excited, both excited and trepidatious to do the game on this episode because inevitably uh, when there is a super popular game that I get around to doing on the show, I end up not being as impressed as the general consensus seems to be. But I'm not saying that's the case here. You're going to have to hold on a minute and find out. There is no manual to refer to for this game, because, as I said, it's an unreleased prototype. Essentially, here's how the game works. The object is to destroy Sinistar, which is a big metal robot thing that's trying to, shocker, destroy the universe, and whatever else gets in its way. To do that, you need Cinnabombs, which is that place in the mall where you get uh, the two-for-one... Oh, wait, that's Cinnabon. Sorry, I was confused. No wonder that guy behind the counter looked at me weird yesterday. Anyway, who hasn't been banned from a mall? So to make these Cinnabombs, you have to harvest Cinnocyte crystals out of planetoids that float around 
you know, as if you're in the game Asteroids, uh, and then you shoot them. And here's where the game gets a little awkward for me. Uh, this is one of those games where you've got one fire button and two things to do. One of them is to shoot these planetoids, and the other is to uh, launch these Cinnabombs at Cinnastar. So the way they handle this in the game is you don't actually shoot at the planetoids. Your uh, rocket thing shoots automatically. You just kind of point it in the direction you want to fire. It's very disconcerting to watch. I don't like it when games do this, but I get why they have to. So you shoot these planetoids a few times, and then the Cinecite crystals appear, and you scoop them up. Worker ships are also flying around, harvesting their own crystals to help build Cinestar, and take them away from you, basically. Or at least prevent you from getting them. Apparently in the arcade version of this game, which I'm not familiar with, uh, the workers could outright steal your crystals, but that's not something that's included in the, uh, the home version. As you attempt to mine the crystals, the warrior ships zip around the screen and try to blow you up. But if you manage to hold off the warriors long enough to get some crystals, you eventually fill up with Cinnabombs. Oh man, I remember that Sunday I filled up on Cinnabombs, and it was... Oh, sorry, I got confused again. Let's just say, uh... Sinistar wasn't the only thing exploding. Anyway. So, if you... Apparently, if you do this quickly, you get filled up with Cinnabombs quickly, uh, you kind of catch Sinistar with his pants down, meaning he's not quite fully built yet. Kind of like the Death Star in Empire Strikes Back. If it is only half-built and utterly and essentially defenseless, he doesn't come after you, at least not as hard. If Sinistar is chasing you, assuming he's fully built, you have to press the fire button to release the Cinnabombs, which are the only thing that can harm Sinistar. You can shoot him all you want with your laser, it ain't gonna do squat. Each Cinnabomb will blast off a segment of Sinistar until he's completely destroyed, which takes 18 direct hits. If you only manage to blow off a few segments, the workers start repairing him and he'll continue to chase you. If you totally man if you manage to totally destroy Sinistar, you'll be transported to the next sector where the action resumes at a harder difficulty level. And that is essentially the game. I have not, in the little bit that I've played today, successfully destroyed Sinistar. I have a hard time lining up the shot because your ship is constantly moving. You can change the direction, but it constantly goes. And the screen the field of play is small enough that you usually have very little time between Sinistar appearing on screen and you getting in position. And by the time you're in position, uh, he's gone or you've moved. Uh, it's very frustrating. I don't know if that was a, a, I don't know if that's a feature or a bug making the game more challenging. Um, I don't know how that compares to the field of play in the arcade version. I, I found it, um, uh, I was gonna. I'm tempted to say unnecessarily challenging, but maybe that's just me not having enough experience with the game. I don't know. But that is how you play Sinistar, unreleased prototype from 1984. I'm not rich or famous. I'm not a movie star, rock icon, first responder, nurse, doctor, or anybody else whom we all look up to. I'm just a schnook. 
just like Bill, I love to tell stories. Unlike Bill, though, I'm not creative enough to write my own, so I just tell my own real-life stories in this book-read-by-the-author-style podcast, all about life lessons growing up, and every episode, a segment about music. Music that I love, artists that I admire, and sometimes even my own music. You can find Autobiography of a Schnook on all your favorite podcast suppliers, or you can go to schnookpodcast.com. That's S-C-H-N-O-O-K podcast.com. And I firmly believe the good goes around, and I sincerely hope that Autobiography of a Schnook proves to be some good that goes around your way. As I understand it, Sinistar was created by Sam Dicker and Jack Hager. Jack Hager. Noah Falstein, R.J. Michael, Python Angelo, and Richard Witt. It was the first game to use stereo sound in the sit-down version, obviously the arcade cabinet we're talking about, with two independent front and back soundboards for for that purpose. Uh, It uses a 49-way. Oh, man, I remember my first 49-way. Anyway, that's a story for another time. Uh, Optical joystick that Williams produced specifically for the game. The voice of Sinistar, because the arcade version had a voice uh, that, that didn't translate over into the Atari version, uh, but the voice was provided by John Dormus, who was an American radio personality, best known for his radio syndi- best known for his radio syndication of the Passing Parade, a series of short stories, a remarkable but uh, relatively unknown episodes throughout history. In the mid-60s, he produced Patterns in Music for WMAQ in Chicago. Original recordings of Patterns in Music were being aired by KNXR in Rochester, Minnesota until 2015, when the station was sold and the format changed. The series is now heard on 97.5, an internet rebirth of those first 50 years of KNXR. The guy owned a company that pioneered the idea of in-flight music for airlines. He was also an announcer for Oklahoma Sooners football in the 50s. Provided voiceover for the NFL film's highlight package of Super Bowl XXI, and the digitally recorded voice of the titular villain in the 1982 video game Sinistar. The in flight programming that I mentioned was for American Airlines and other airlines, including Air Force One, starting under Nixon and later under Reagan. His company, John Dormus Inc., that's a little self centered, don't you think? Uh, had an office suite on the 18th floor of the John Han- Hancock Center. In Chicago. Sinistar apparently has a bug in it that grants the player many lives, uh, but only happens if the player is down to one life and the Sinistar is about to eat the player's ship. If a warrior ship shoots and destroys the ship at this moment, it immediately takes the players to zero lives, and the Sinistar eating the player subtracts another life. Sinistar was commercially available in the mid-90s as part of Williams Arcade Greatest hits for the Super NES, Sega Genesis, and Saturn, Dreamcast, PlayStation, and Microsoft Windows. You can also get it on the Midway Arcade Treasures, released for Xbox, Nintendo, GameCube, and PlayStation 2. And for Windows in 2004, part of Midway Arcade Treasures Extended Play for the PlayStation Portable in 2005. Midway Arcade Origins for the PlayStation 3 and Xbox 360. And Sinistar, Sinistar is also part of Midway's Greatest Arcade Hits on the Game Boy Advance. A 3D sequel was released for Windows in 1999, called Sinistar Unleashed. There's also a Sinistar clone called Death Star for the BBC Micro and Acorn Electron. 
and Sinistar was featured on many episodes of the TV game show Starcade, and has been referenced in chapters 30 and 31 of the Dresden Files book Ghost Story Butcher Novel, a 2011 novel in the Dresden Files series by Jim Butcher, during a recollection of a demonic battle from the protagonist's youth. Atari Protoss says that it's simply amazing how Atari managed to capture the action and excitement of Sinistar and condense it into the tiny 2600. Excellent graphics by 2600 standards. Controls are sharp and precise. I don't totally agree with that, but that may be more down to my game playing ability than actual uh, issues with the controls. The controls were simplified, of course, due to the 2600 only having one fire button and the voice thing that probably gave uh, Sinistar Arcade an extra kick. Uh, isn't there, obviously. Proto says that around the time Sinistar was being completed, the video game market was crumbling fast, and many new games never got released. Which is the uh, reason this one apparently didn't make it to market. A 2021 headline from a year ago in boingboing.net says that Atari 2600 Sinistar would have been terrible. Uh, the author, Jason Weisberger, says that Sinistar was an important part of his childhood, but that the 2600 port looks like some of Atari's worst work. The VideoGameProject.com, however, says that it's amazing that Atari managed to capture the action and excitement of Sinistar and convert it to work on the 2600. Excellent graphics, sharp and precise controls. Uh, sure, there were compromises, but it's still awesome, is essentially the gist of this article. The video game market in 84 was in turmoil. They spelled turmoil wrong. And many new games never got released. In fact, Atari had already commissioned artwork for Sinistar, and the game seems to have been nearly completed. A 400-800 version was also in the works, and nearly complete. And yet it was not meant to be. But you know what it is meant to be? The rest of this podcast. After the break, we find out if I was born under a lucky star. Or was it a Sinistar? I'm pretty proud of that one. Sinistar. Doesn't it look great? Uh, enjoy the beauty of my new power pack. I had to replace the, uh, the power pack thing for my Atari to get the game to work, to get the whole console to work. It's got a transplant and it looks beautiful. Uh, so we're playing the unreleased prototype for Sinistar from 1984. This seizure-inducing flashing that's going on right now is just a, a prelude to the the uh, craziness that's about to happen. So let's get to it. I can't reach the start button. Wait a minute. There we go. I'm not typically a fan of the auto shooting uh, games. I get why they have to do that. You've only got one fire button and two different things you gotta do with it. But I find it disconcerting that it's firing right now and I'm not doing it. So, I mean, you can move your ship. Traveling across the galaxy, there's a little glimpse of the partially constructed Sinistar right there. And it has sort of an asteroids vibe to it, right? 
Hold on, Sinister. I'm gonna get some of uh, some crystals and build me some bombs. Any day now. Colors are nice. The look of this game, even for 84, is kind of basic. I was just kidding. I didn't mean for you to kill me. I guess I should have shot him. That might have worked better. fun. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Henry? Henry has no thoughts. Uh, I will think of my thoughts and share them with you momentarily. Back to you in the studio. Hey, Atari fans. This is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Join Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review cartridge-based games for the Atari's last answer, the 8-bit gaming system, as well as delve deep into their history. Kieran will also introduce everyone to the UK's budget games. You can listen to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's xegs, the number 8, bit.com. Second Duck on the Right and Other Very Short Stories is my new short story collection. Duck con artists, zombies, Things on Fire, Supervillain Angst, and A Future Without Poop are just a few of the topics in these stories. Also, the occasional really bad poem. Waddle on over to your favorite bookseller, or swim downstream to my website, carnivalofgleecreations.com, for more information. Insert quacking up joke here. Here's the thing about Sinistar. I like the game. It, it clearly it, it doesn't quite feel finished to me. Not surprisingly, it's a prototype, right? It's fine. I don't get from playing this what the excitement about the Sinistar arcade game is, but that's not fair because I'm sure the arcade game was different and I may feel differently about it. So I'm not saying I don't like this game. I'm just saying I, 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 I'm not bowled over by this Atari prototype of this game. But I would be curious, I am curious enough, I am intrigued enough to want to play the arcade version and we'll maybe try to seek that out and do that at some point. I'm sure many of you have strong feelings about Sinistar. If you would like to share those, please do. It's story time on Atari Bites. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story comes to us from Bad Poetry Corner, and it is titled 
The Sin Sisters Host a Brunch Come in, come in, says Tamra Sin. Perfect capped teeth, eyes that beckon. Hot like that crepe, you'll beg for seconds. Where's spread out before you? Dig in. Later, you say, muffins! Back off, says Sin Sister Carrie. He's mine. And these cakes, and berries, and all these eggs, meats, juices, and toasts. Carrie laughs. Not yours. I love them most. A chill. In steps Sin Sister Terry. Give them, or I'll scramble your brains. Kim comes in, mimosa aloft. A toast, says she, to brunch pulled off. Wonderful, isn't it? Don't complain. Grunt from the back. This toast is whole grain. Moira Sin moans. I used to cook. Your fancy pans. Shiny they look. Omelets and bacon. Easy. If you sell out for things cheesy. Yum, says Beth. Ham in her arms crook. Can't stop eating, says she. Too good. Samples it all. Not once pauses. Duffel bags of beignets. Sauces. Gnaws centerpiece. Finds that it's wood. Hey, mutters Sister Nell. Could, but the rest is lost, face down in hash browns. Too weary to let her hair down. Covered in syrup, Nell can't move. Brunch is so good, she's here to prove. Time to nap. Who needs a nightgown? Survey the room. Pick up a plate. Would prefer egg sandwich drive through But Mom taught you, never be rude. Some of the food looks pretty great. The rest, you guess, you'll leave to fate. My hosts are all crazy, you think. Need more Bloody Mary to drink. Just then, Mary strikes from the back. With a meat fork, springs to attack. Your corpse into leftovers sinks. Hi, this is 8-Bit Rocket, Jeff Fulton, from the Into the Vertical Blank Generation Atari podcast. And you are listening to the incomparable William Pepper and his wonderful stories of the game within a game on the Atari Bytes podcast. When you are done here, come visit us in the Vertical Blank. Now, back to Bill. And that's our show. Huge thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com for Creative Commons use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the storytime theme. Head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five cine star review of this podcast right there and then. Email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. Like the show on our Facebook page. Follow the show on Twitter at AtariBytes. Or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out on Instagram. You can call us too. I'm never going to answer the phone so you don't need to worry about having to actually talk to me, you can leave a voicemail, 563-265-1978, about pretty much any damn thing you want, and I will probably play it on the show. Check out the website, too, www, because that's how websites work, carnivalofgleecreations.com, 
There's going to be stuff there about this show. There's going to be stuff about my other show. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Um, information about things that I've written, including some books, which you can own for your very own. Um, links to a few of the places for those books are up there on the website. But uh, really, you can probably get them uh, anywhere you want. So please do. Uh, while you're doing things for me, you might also consider supporting Atari Bytes on the Atari Bytes Patreon page uh, to help keep the lights on here in the studio. Uh, go to patreon.com, pull up the Atari Bytes page, and do, do as it says right there on the page. If you do that, you get my eternal thanks, of course, but you also get to hang out with these folks who already have my eternal thanks. Michael Tyler, Jose Cazeta, Sean Courtney, M. West, Patrick McCarthy, Jeremy L., Mark Super, and Jim Goble. Fine fellows, one and all. All right, we are about out of here. So all that's left is me for me to tell you next time on Atari Bytes. Okay, so I took a, a break from the 5200, my new shiny 5200, to play Sinistar for the 2600, and that was great. But I kind of missed my 5200, so... We're going to go back there uh, to play another game over there. Uh, and it's going to be Countermeasure for the 5200. I don't know offhand what Countermeasure is, because uh, I haven't done any research yet, but the title is familiar to me. I feel like maybe we did Countermeasure before on the podcast, but I could not find it in the list of episodes we've already done. So, uh, hopefully I'm not repeating myself. I'm certain I'm not repeating myself with countermeasure for the 5200 so it will be a new experience regardless um, if you have thoughts about countermeasure feel free to let me know which means that until next time you should go play some old games they've missed you